right, so if it starts raining, just do whatever you think you need to do, okay? I don't, we're, I guess if it starts pouring down really hard, uh, actually, I'll probably still try to finish this thing out, and you guys can watch it later digitally on YouTube, and a few of the few of you folks might prefer to stay and just get rained on. It'd be an interesting church experience, but hopefully it will not do that. I wanted also uh, to quick apology, apology to Holly. I forgot to thank her this week when I was thanking the praise band. I listed all the mem members of the praise band and left out Holly. And I know that she is super sensitive. She's not actually super sensitive, I don't think. But nonetheless, sorry to her and want to say, Thank you to Peter and Matt for also helping us lead this morning. So many years ago, I went on a sea kayaking trip in Johnstone Strait. This is a narrow body of water between the mainland and Vancouver Island on Canada's western shore. My friends and I, we were going to be spending a week in nature. This area is filled with seals and otters. There's also killer whales that pass through. Unfortunately, we didn't see any, although that might have been fortunate being in a kayak. I think it'd be kind of terrifying to see a killer whale. The first day we were out, I started to count bald eagles. And within a couple of hours, I'd counted like 20 bald eagles and I just gave up and stopped counting. Johnstone Strait is an amazing place. It is untouched by man, or at least it feels that way. My friends and I kayaked from beach to beach, camping out, and one day we pulled up to shore for lunch. At this point, we had been together for days. We didn't necessarily like as much each other as much as we had when we started. And so as we sat there silently eating our terrible camp food, I just happened to look over and I saw a large driftwood log sitting on the beach. And I walked over to it and I started to dig into the sand with my hands and with whatever I could find. And my friends came over and they started to dig with me. And I don't know how long it took us, but we just dug and dug and dug until we had dug a hole a couple of feet down and then we took that driftwood log and we set it up in the hole and we packed sand around it and took other smaller logs and supported it. Without talking about it, the four of us had worked together to set up a marker. Unintentionally, we had created a very basic totem pole. Well, I'm sure the next high tide washed away our efforts, I still think it is interesting how the whole thing came about. My friends and I were driven to make something that showed that we had been there. This very human desire to build and create is what we are going to interrogate today as we continue our cognitive behavioral theology sermon series. The scripture through which we will seek a greater knowledge of the universal human tendency to build is Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 9. Today, we are going to read the story of the Tower 
of Babel. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. And they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth. The Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Much like my friends, the people who gathered in the plain of Shinar in these verses had a desire to build. This desire is part of being human, an outworking of the image of God all people bear. We have desire, and we have capacity as well. It is amazing what people have accomplished over the course of history. Tragically, what we build is influenced not only by how God created us, but by the sin that inhabits us. God limits the prospects of our selfish efforts to accomplish the goals we set forth to protect us from ourselves. The great capacity we had been given combined with sin would end in our destruction if limits did not exist. This doesn't mean we should stop trying to build. We should try to build things that will last. The only way to do this is to build with God. Every person should direct their God-given desire and capacity toward God's eternal project of building a kingdom that glorifies His name. Every human heart has a deep-rooted desire to build. It is a result of multiple impulses. The desire to work towards some purpose is part of the image of God all people bear. God himself is actively at work. He created the earth. Jesus said in John 5, 17, 
My Father is working until now, and I am working. God builds. He created us with a desire to do the same. God commanded humanity to build upon what He had provided. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. We are called to make an impact on the created world we exist in. We also have the additional task of working out our salvations, as Philippians 2.12 states. Another impulse that drives every person is a desire to have some proof that they existed. A monument that will testify to the fact that their life mattered. The pharaohs built the pyramids for this reason. All the time and expense necessary for the project was driven by their desire to rebut death. People today don't have the resources to construct a pyramid so we try to find other ways to work at being remembered. Really wealthy folks try to get their names plastered to the side of a building down at Harvard. The most common approach throughout history to this day is for people to pour all their efforts at making something that will last into creating a family. Building something gives life meaning and purpose. Nobody is happy simply existing. Smart cultural commentators are currently making the argument that many of the social ills our society is exhibiting are a result of the lack of a grand cultural building project. America no longer has a western frontier that needs settling, a moon landing to bring about, or a great depression to overcome. Working towards a goal alleviates feelings of listlessness. This is why people have hobbies. Quilting, golf, fishing, gardening, and a million other examples are enjoyable for those who do them because they give a person a goal to strive for that they can reach. A shared project also turns disparate individuals into a movement with a mission. Being a part of a group that is operating with a shared purpose is amazing. I still miss the experience, I've mentioned this before, of coding patients in the ICU. Coding a patient is when you try to bring someone back from death. And I miss that feeling of being a part of a team of doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, and others where we were all doing our part to accomplish a clear and worthwhile goal. Maybe you've had that experience in other ways in your life as part of a sports team or in some other way. This is part of the reason wars pop up every few generations. People have a deep desire to have something worth fighting for. 
a cause worth dying for. Humans enjoy fighting as part of a group. In addition to the desire people have to build, God has given humanity an amazing capacity to accomplish what we set our minds to. The people of Babel wanted to build a really tall tower. To us, this sounds a bit silly. At the time, the capacity to build a tower, like what is described, was advanced technology. The brick was a game-changing invention. Before it, no structure could rise more than a couple of stories tall. With it, you could build to the sky. From the perspective of the people at the time these verses were written, the tower they were building would have been thought of similarly to how people in the 1960s thought of putting a man on the moon. It was an audacious undertaking. We say, if we can put a man on the moon, why can't we have cell phones that, with batteries that last all day? They would have said, if we can build the Tower of Babel, why can't we prevent locust swarms? God acknowledges that the Tower being built is an indicator of the people's capacity to accomplish great things. They really can overcome whatever physical obstacles get in their way. From our privileged place in history, we can see just how capable people are. Think about the things humanity has done. Antibiotics, supercomputers that fit in our pockets, submarines and airplanes, Reese's peanut butter cups. Is anybody with me on the Reese's? God points out that people are super capable in these verses. He says, nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. God thinks this is a problem. The desire and capacity to build is part of our God-given nature. Doing so becomes problematic when sin determines what we want to build. The people of Babel built their tower for the wrong reason. They said to themselves, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Their focus is selfish. They want to make a name for themselves. You have a clear hint in the text that this is not a good desire. In the Bible, whenever something is coming from the east, it is normally bad news. These people are coming from the east. John Steinbeck picked up on this narrative hint in his book, East of Eden. In the Bible, the east is where locusts, invading armies, and the Antichrist come from. When Adam and Eve are expelled from the garden, they are sent out into the east. When the Bible mentions the east, you should start hearing that 
ominous music that plays in movies when something bad is about to happen. In this case, the bad thing that is happening is that the people are building a tower to make a name for themselves. Their motivations are selfish. Selfish endeavors are inherently sinful. Humanity was created by God to build for His glory. God's glory must be the starting point for all humans, for all human undertakings. He is the eternal starting point for all things. The only things that will last are those which have God as their foundation. Building for our own glory is a denial of God. People try to make themselves divine by building something independent of God to prove He is unnecessary. Such efforts are inherently unstable and will eventually collapse. God will not let selfish building projects succeed. In verse 6, the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, so they may not understand one another's speech. To some... The divine action in this circumstance seems mean-spirited. It doesn't seem like building a tower is really hurting anyone. While these verses don't say it, so we can't be sure, the original reader probably would have understood that any sort of undertaking like this required slave labor. In any case, to many readers, God is acting like a teenage bully on the beach, knocking over the sandcastle of a preschooler in these verses. He makes it where people cannot communicate effectively with one another, which derails the building of their tower. His actions feel tyrannical to some. God is not being a bully here. He is actually protecting humanity from destroying itself. Sin makes it impossible for us to build things that are absolutely good. It does not limit humanity's ability to bring about the evil purposes that sin itself encourages. God inhibits people's ability to cooperate with one another because our sinful cooperation would rapidly result in our own destruction. Without God's intervention to limit human capacity, a group of people would have arisen in history that would have worked towards some grand goal that they thought was worthwhile, that was actually sinful. In the process, human life would have been extinguished. Even with God limiting our capacity, we have still gotten close repeatedly to this outcome throughout history. We may no longer build brick towers today, but each of us is building something 
with our lives. Normally our efforts go into constructing monuments for our own personal glory. We are driven to do so by our inner nature that desires an outlet for creative impulses, a life with meaning, community working towards a shared goal and a desire to defy death. The efforts we make to set up totems to ourselves take on many forms. Work and family are popular options. Money is probably the most universally recognized way in which people try to glorify themselves. The Bible calls these things we make, the things we worship in our lives, to glorify ourselves, idols. An idol is often a good thing, but it is a good thing that we have turned into an ultimate thing. Loving your children isn't bad. Idolizing them, worshiping them above God is a sin that a person does for their own glory. Monuments to our own glory will not last. We cannot maintain them. The curse of this world means that everything we build with our own hands will turn to dust just as surely as we do. On the same kayaking trip where my friends and I set up the driftwood marker in the beach, we also went to this abandoned native Indian village. And when we went to the village, there was supposed to be totem poles there. And I had this vision in my head of these majestic poles standing up, you know, beautifully painted. And we got there and the poles were collapsed onto the ground. The wood was rotting. They were returning to the dirt. People marvel at the pyramids of Giza. Even they are a pale reflection of what they once were. Most scholars think these structures have stood for over 5,000 years. That is certainly a long time. But in comparison to eternity, it is nothing. There will come a day when even the pyramids cease to exist. No monument a person or group constructs to their own glory will last. God wants people to build for him and with him. He is constructing a spiritual kingdom that is a real presence in the physical world. This kingdom's purpose is to glorify God. He is the only thing worthy of worship. No other foundation is secure. In an amazing act of generosity, God shares his glory with all who are called to build on his behalf. Romans 8.30 tells us, Those whom he has justified, he will also glorify. We look forward to the day we will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Building for God's glory will result in a monument that will stand the test of time. He is constructing an eternal city. 
This city will stand forever. God is the life-giving water that sustains it, the light that fills it. The impulses that push us to build in the first place can only be satisfied when we build for God's glory. This effort fulfills our desire to build. It defies death, gives meaning to life, and creates community. God made people like him to build for his glory. When we do so through the grace God has provided, he shares his glory with us. There are infinite ways to be a part of what God is building every day. Every act of love contributes to the endeavor. Every Christian is called to use their gifts for God's glory. One of the hardest things about right now, this current moment we exist in, is that all the ways that we are used to building don't seem possible. The inability to work towards a future goal is a lot of the reason why most people are struggling with a sort of low-level depression, a kind of malaise. It is hard right now, for sure. If you want to find ways to build for God's glory, you still can. God has not stopped doing His work in this world. Whatever situation you find yourself in there are ways to be involved in what god is working towards it might be as simple as picking up the phone and calling someone who is homebound could be volunteering help to help out with children's programming here at the church maybe you should lead a small group coordinate sound or teach a sunday school class maybe you should just love that really annoying person that you work with. We all have those people, not me. All the people I work with here are amazing. <laughs> when the world feels most hopeless is when Christians should stand out. Our hope is not tied to the things being built in this world. Our hope is assured what God is building will not crumble. People are unable to understand one another well enough to build what we want. What we do manage to create gets washed away. What God is building will stand for eternity. He wants you to be a part of what He is doing. Through building with God, life has purpose. Creativity finds an outlet. Death is defied and a community comes together. Every person should direct their God-given desire and capacity to build toward God's eternal project of creating a kingdom that glorifies his name. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you that the rain held off, Lord. I thank you for all the ways that you provide for us daily that we don't even recognize or notice, Lord. And I thank you for the 
capacity that you have given us to, to build and create, to make a difference in the world, Lord. I pray that you would forgive us for all the ways that we have used that capacity for our own selfish purposes and in the process how we have created things that have not given life to us or to others, but have destroyed life. Lord, I ask that you would forgive us for that, Lord. Also pray that you would work in the hearts of everyone here to make clear to us how we can participate in building your kingdom. We live in a world that seems to lack any, any grand project, any grand desire, and people are struggling, and many of us are struggling during this time of coronavirus as well. So I just pray that you would make it clear to us how we can continue to participate in the building of your kingdom, whatever situation we find ourselves in, in our lives. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So for our hymn today, we are going to sing hymn number 369, O Jesus, I have promised. I asked Miriam to gather a group uh, to help out and leading in this hymn. So Miriam.